hello there, and welcome to the 19th episode of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. So let's get straight to it here. And for those of you who are regular listeners, you've noticed that I haven't put out a new episode in three or four months. And truth be told, I haven't done that because of the pandemic and because there haven't been any sports. It's been really tough on me um, not being able to watch any live games other than, you know, UFC, but that isn't part of the major four, so it doesn't really count. Um, not being able to live a regular life, not being able to cover as many teams as I want to. Um, I've been laid off multiple times over these last three, four months. I've been forced to endure pay cuts and I haven't been able to see, like everyone else, I haven't been able to see everyone that I want to and it's been really tough on me. So I had to step away, but I'm back now. Sports are back now and we can finally talk about Blue Jays again. And while there is an ongoing outbreak going on in Major League Baseball involving the Miami Marlins, and hopefully it stops there, hopefully it doesn't include the Philadelphia Phillies, and hopefully we don't have any more outbreaks, but because of the way America has handled this pandemic, it's probably inevitable that we're going to see more outbreaks like this throughout the season. Remember, we're not even in August yet. And we're having these problems. So it's it's not that, you know, we're, we're going to lose the season. And really, I could be recording this episode. And by the time some of you are listening to this, <laughs> the Major League season could be canceled. So don't hold me to this. But as of right now, as of Monday afternoon, it seems like the season will continue and this outbreak within the Marlins camp will not put a hold on the 2020 season and we will hopefully be able to continue without an NBA-like stoppage because if that happens, I don't know if the MLB is going to be able to resume their season until 2021. But let's not get there, let's not jump to conclusions. And let's focus on the Blue Jays and what they did over the weekend. So, a 1-2 and two start isn't terrible. When you look at just their record, it's not bad. It's okay. It would have been better to start 2-1. and one, But at the same time, you can live with 1-2. and two. What you can't live with is an 0-3 start. That's what you can't have in a 60-game season. You can't lose the first three games of the season. With that said, the Blue Jays definitely blew their fair share of chances over the weekend. And Saturday was Saturday. You know, they lost the game in the eighth inning. We won't know what could have happened in the ninth. Maybe the Blue Jays score another run. Because remember, it was a 1-1 tie. Now let, let's let's start from the beginning here. Let's start with Friday. Then we'll get into it. We'll go game by game. And then we'll get into Saturday. So let's start on a good note here. The Blue Jays opened the season on Friday with a 6-4 win over the Rays. And unlike last season, where the Blue Jays lineup 
refused to be disciplined at the plate and they were free swingers unlike that from last season on friday night the blue jays were really disciplined at the plate you know the, while they did strike out 11 times and that's not really ideal they worked a lot of deep counts not just friday but over the weekend too so right from the get-go on Friday, it was a very encouraging start just by the way the Blue Jays handled themselves in the batter's box by not swinging at everything and extending the strike zone where they don't need to. And as a result, the Blue Jays were able to play some small ball. They didn't rely heavily on the home run, even though Kevin Biggio's three-run home run won them the game. While that helped them, they still scored three of their six runs by manufacturing runs. And that is not something the Blue Jays could say they were able to do effectively and consistently last season. So when you come away from Friday's game, you were, you were left with a lot of positives. And it didn't just all come from the hitting or the defense either. It also came from the pitching too. And while Hinjin Ryu didn't have his greatest outing he was still effective and he gave you four and two thirds sure he gave up three runs he gave up a solo shot he, he he allowed three walks he did strike out four but what he gave you is some consistency that you didn't really have a year ago and what you like to hear, too, is after the game, Ryu knew he didn't have his best stuff out there. And you can see, you could see when he was out on the mound, he wasn't really locating his pitches effectively and consistently um, as much as he did in 2019. With that said, he was still pretty effective. He relied heavily on his changeup once again, just like he did in 2019. His fastball, his four-seam fastball wasn't that effective. It was down a tick in velo. It averaged just under 90 miles per hour. And a year ago, it just it averaged just above 90 miles per hour. So there's no real concern there with the velo. Um, the location-wise, though, it was not staying up in the strike zone as much. So it was down in the zone. Hitters were able to do some damage off of it. The lone home run he did surrender was off his fastball. But that said, it's the first outing of the season for Hinjin Ryu. So, sure, you can nitpick, but I'll take four and two thirds from, from Ryu and allowing three runs because you know he's probably going to be better. And after Ryu exited the game, you saw a pretty impressive performance from the Blue Jays bullpen. Starting with Jordan Romano, who right now appears to be the Blue Jays' best reliever. And I'm gonna start with this Friday outing, and after I get through the Blue Jays' weekend games, I'm gonna dive into more of Romano's stuff because compared to last year, he looks like a completely different pitcher and right now, after three games, it looks like he's poised for a breakout season. But I'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. But starting with his Friday outing, 
He only, he only went an inning, which really from Romero, you'll probably only get, get an inning from him each outing. Um, he did surrender a pair of walks, but again, it's the first outing of the season, so you can live with that. And he also evened it out with a pair of strikeouts as well, so he was able to get out of damage there. And following Romano came in Anthony Bass, who was acquired during the offseason from the Mariners. And he looked pretty good as well. Um, he gave the Blue Jays an inning and a third. And he didn't get any strikeouts. But at the same time, he was very effective. And what's intriguing about Anthony Bass is that his reverse splits are outstanding. Because normally with right-handed pitchers, Nine times out of 10, they're not as good against left-handed batters. But with Bass, he's actually better against left-handed hitters than he is against right-handed hitters, which makes him so appealing to the Blue Jays, especially in high leverage situations. And that's why on Friday, he came out in the seventh inning and dominated, didn't allow a hit. And as you saw on Sunday, because he did so well Friday's game, that gave the Blue Jays confidence to be able to bring Anthony Bass out in the eighth inning, and he did a really nice job there too. Now, back to Friday's game. After Bass exited, Dolis came in, and it's safe to say he didn't really have that great of a debut. Um, his command was definitely off. Um, that said, you know, he was able to escape damage after nearly blowing the Blue Jays' lead. Um, it, it, the walks were an issue for him. He allowed two. He also gave up a run. It was unearned, but he still gave up a run. Um, for me, I, I, I really need to see more out of Delise before I really start criticizing him. I know he struggled on Sunday too, but you got to give guys more time after just two starts, especially when he spent so much time in Japan. It's going to take him a little bit of time to get used to being back in the major leagues because as we all know, the quality of play is immensely better in North America than it is over in Japan. So it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, adjustment period for Dolise. But over a 60-game season, you don't really have the same amount of time to adjust as you would in a normal 162-game span. Now, going with Giles, on Friday, he looked his, his, he looked his usual self. He was pretty dominant. He shut down the Rays in the ninth inning, gave up a walk, but generated two strikeouts and got his first save of the season. And Velo-wise, he looked pretty effective as well. Specifically, his fastball, yes, it was down from its average of 97 miles per hour. They only averaged 94 miles, 95 miles per hour, excuse me, on Friday. But he was still able to generate a 66.7% whiff rate against it. So for opposing batters, they really couldn't tell that much of a difference between last year's fastball and this year's. Now that said... He didn't have that same success on Sunday, but again, I'll get into that after I deal with Saturday's game. And the Blue Jays, Saturday definitely could have been a game they, they 
may have been able to win. Um, offensively, they had eight hits, but were only able to drive in one run. And they really struggled to get guys in scoring position as well. They only had six opportunities with runners in scoring position on Saturday. And of those six opportunities, they, only drew, they were only able to generate one hit. So they went one for six with runners in scoring position on Saturday. And Reese McGuire's lone home, only home run of the game was really the Blue Jays' only offense. Um, which is good for Reese McGuire because hopefully he and Danny Jansen can split time together and generate a lot of production out of the catcher spot for the Blue Jays this year. Um, but yeah, offensively, the Blue Jays didn't have a great day. They had a lot of singles that day, just not a lot of runners next in, in scoring position. Um, but on the mound, Matt Shoemaker making his 2020 debut for the Blue Jays looked pretty sharp. You know, for saying he really hasn't pitched in a major league game since early last season, he really hasn't missed a beat. He, he went six strong innings, gave up three hits, only one run, only a pair of walks, and four strikeouts. Really strong start for, for Matt Shoemaker. And A.J. Cole followed him up in the seventh inning and produced a, a hitless inning, a perfect inning, actually. He didn't, get, he didn't even give up a walk. Now here's where the Blue Jays ran into some trouble Saturday afternoon. And it all started with an interesting decision from Charlie Montoyo. And that was to bring in Sam Gavilio in a high leverage situation in the eighth inning. Now a year ago, Sam Gavilio was probably the Blue Jays most reliable arm out of the bullpen. but. That was in a mop-up duty. That wasn't in high leverage situations, and they definitely weren't in a tie ball game either. So out of the gate, it was a curious decision by Charlie Montoyo, but it didn't look all that bad through two batters. He struck out Willie Adamas to start the inning. He did give up a single to Mike Zanino after, and it was hard contact too. It was laced into center field. And then he walked G-Man Choi to put two runners on. And to me, this is where Montoyo should have had a quick hook on Gavilio and taken him out immediately, especially because left-hander Brian Moran was warming up in the bullpen at the time of Pete Walker's mound visit, mound visit after he walked Choi. So to me, as I'm sitting there watching the game, I'm thinking to myself, here's a situation where it would be perfect to bring in Moran because he's a lefty specialist and you had Brandon Lau coming up to the plate with two runners on and only one out. So when I saw Pete leave the mound and leave Gavilio in there, that's when I started worrying. And I wasn't wrong because Brandon Lau hits a two RBI triple two pitches later. And then to make matters worse, Gavilio gave up a balk and then he walked Yandy Diaz on four straight pitches. And then they took him out of the game. 
to me, that's outrageous. I cannot understand why the Blue Jays let Gavilio give up three runs and then take him out for Moran to come in and clean up his mess. To me, after Choi gets walked, it would have been so much better. And really, from a matchup standpoint, Moran would have had a better opportunity to get out of that mess than Gavilio would. And I think that was a critical mistake made by Charlie Montoyo. And because the Blue Jays were struggling at the plate, they weren't really going to get bailed out by their offense in the top of the ninth. So as a manager, you got to see that your offense is struggling. They probably maybe are only going to score you one more run in the game, maybe two if you're lucky. So you can't give up three runs in the eighth inning, which is why he should have came out and pulled Gavilio off the mound, brought in Moran. There's no guarantee Moran would have done any better, but from a matchup standpoint, he probably would have. And I doubt he would have gave up a two RBI triple from Brandon Lau. And then brought the game to 4-1 to one after he was charged with a balk. So, alright. So we can live with that, I suppose, if we can win the third game of the series and take the series 2-1. to one. But... We endured another managerial mistake by Charlie, Manto- Charlie Montoyo in Sunday's game. And it was really a wasted opportunity. And he really wasted a solid performance from the Blue Jays' offense. They generated 13 hits against the Rays on Sunday. And they scored five runs, none of which came from home runs they were all manufactured and they were really manufactured in the sixth inning and what made things worse is Randall Gritchick had to lead the game halfway through because he suffered from what the Blue Jays are officially calling as SI joint irritation and for those of you who have no idea what that means It's the joint that connects the spine to the hips. So, to me, it seems like when Gritchick went to play a ball that ricocheted off the wall in center field, he may have twisted his back one way and caused some irritation on that joint and it swelled up and it caused him some pain and and that's why he had to leave the game. And, And hopefully it's not a serious issue because since the Blue Jays don't really have a backup center fielder other than Jonathan Davis, who isn't on their roster right now, we have to rely on Teoscar Hernandez to play center field. And defensively, we all know how that went last year, and that's why Teoscar's in right field now, or was to start the season. Um, But let me get back to the mistake that Montoyo made, because it was a critical error. So... With the Blue Jays leading in the ninth, they're up four to two. Giles comes in for the save. 
Didn't play Saturday, so he's rested. We thought. Immediately, out of the gate, you gotta notice the drop in velocity with this four-seamer. It dropped even farther than it did on Friday. On Sunday afternoon, Giles' fastball only averaged 93 miles per hour. And it dipped as low as 91. So right out of the gate there, as a manager, you gotta notice there's something up with your closer. And in a two-run game, you have to immediately get somebody up warming in the pen. Especially after he gives up a two-out double to Joey Wendell and then walks Willie Adamas uh, on the next batter. And when Pete Walker came out to visit him, I really don't understand why the Blue Jays left him in there. Because just looking at his fastball velo, you could tell something was up. Not to mention how wild he was with his slider and with his fastball as well. He couldn't hit the zone with them after he got Kiermaier and Margot to fly out and strike out for the first two outs of the inning. After that, he just couldn't zone in. And officially the Blue Jays are calling it elbow, tightness, soreness, whatever. Um, as a manager, you got to take him out. You got to know. And, and the thing to me is, if Dave, if Dave Roberts, who's the manager of the Dodgers, is coaching the Blue Jays, if Aaron Boone is managing the Blue Jays, there's no way they would have let Ken Giles continue in that inning. After he gave up a double and walked Adamas, Adamas, I guarantee they would have came out, had a chat with him, probably made him throw a, a, a pitch or two, and if they didn't like what they saw, they would have taken him out immediately. But what did the Blue Jays do? No, let's leave him in, and let's, let's let him walk another player <laughs> to load the bases, and then, and then, to make things worse, let's let him get to a 3-1 count with G-Man Choi, and then let's take him out. Completely baffled by that decision. Because you know he's hurt. You just watched him walk two straight batters after giving up a double to Joey Wendell. There's clearly something wrong with Ken Giles. And then for you to let him get to a 3-1 count with G-Man Choi and then replace him with Brian Moran? Are you kidding me? And then expect Moran to clean not only his mess up, but the uh, individual at bat against Choi? Of course Moran's going to walk him. He's just coming into the inning. So, and then there was the whole debacle at first base when there was a medium hit ball um, to the right side. Vladdy missed it with a diving effort, which to me, I get Vladdy's playing a new position, but he's got to know they're in the shift and Cabin Biggio is practically right behind him. 
So Vladdy's got to know he doesn't need to dive for that ball and he can just go to first base. But instead, because he dove, Moran's got to book it to first and try and, and beat out loud at first base. And he doesn't, which allows another run. And he was able to get Yandy Diaz to line out to end the inning. But I just... I was absolutely baffled by the decision that he made to leave Giles in there and then to let him go to 3-1 to G-Man Choi and then take him out. To me, that is just a rookie mistake. And I know Charlie Montoya is in his second year, but like rookie managers make that mistake. And to then throw Moran under the bus post-game to say that he needed to be on his horse as soon as that ball was hit, like, how about taking some credibility and say it shouldn't even gotten to that position because you shouldn't have left Giles in too long. And for them to say Giles looked fine, Giles looked fine. Like, no, he didn't look fine. I, I Like, what game were you watching? His fastball Vivolo was down significantly. He was completely wild after getting the first two outs in the inning. He was... Basically, I think he was a little lucky getting those first two outs with Kiermaier and Margot being aggressive at the plate. To me, with his stuff being so wild, I think he was just lucky to get those two outs. So I just, coming off of this weekend, I'm, I don't want to say irritated at Charlie Montoyo, but at the same time, in a 60-game season, you can't make those mistakes. Because, as we saw, they likely costed the Blue Jays a series sweep or even just a series win against the Rays. So, as we go into the series against Washington, Montoyo needs to clean those up. Because... If the Blue Jays want to make the playoffs this year, they can't afford to throw away games like that. And especially when you have the lead late in games, I know the Blue Jays don't have a, a ton of reliable relievers to go to when Romano, Bass, and even Dolis have already been used. Um... But at the same time, you got to know when you need to take your relievers out of the game. And he made a critical mistake on Saturday with Gavilio, and he followed that up by another critical mistake by Ken Giles. And hopefully Giles isn't hurt for too long. Um, he, he's getting an MRI done on Monday, so that's today. Um, hopefully we hear about the results later today. Um, but if we don't, probably tomorrow, which means Giles definitely won't be available for tonight's game. So if the Blue Jays have a lead, after Romano only threw nine pitches yesterday, you gotta think, with the success he's having, you gotta give him the ball in the ninth inning, I would think. And speaking of Romano, let's get into the adjustments he's made since last season with his slider and four-seamer. Um, let's start with his fastball here and when he came up from the minors a year ago 
he featured his four-seamer slider and he threw a sinker as well. He's now ditched that sinker and is focused on his four-seamer and slider. And it's really paid off for Romano because he's increased the velocity on his four-seamer. It averaged 94 miles per hour last year. It's up to 96 now. And he was evil, he was even able to touch 97. And I think he even saw 98 on the radar gun over the weekend as well. So the velo on his fastball is exceptional. And location-wise, he's doing a much better job locating his fastball as well. Because a year ago, it averaged 14.1 inches a drop. Meaning, when he was releasing the ball, his fastball was finishing in the middle part of the zone. But now, it's only averaging 10.6 inches a drop, which means it's a lot higher in the strike zone. And with him increasing the velocity, that makes it a lot harder to hit. And now moving to his slider, he's also increased the velocity on his slider. Last year, it averaged 84 miles per hour. Now it's up to 87. And he's also um, moving it a lot more as well. Now, what I mean by that is it's got a lot more, well, not a lot more, but it's got a little bit more horizontal break. It had four inches of break, or it averaged four inches of break last season. And over the weekend, it averaged 4.4 inches of break. And vertically, it's a lot more, it's a, it's not, it's more of a competitive pitch now. So a season ago, it averaged 39.3 inches a drop. Now it's averaging 38.4 inches a drop, which means as it's breaking, when it gets closer to the plate, hitters have to stay on it more because it's higher in the strike zone. Before, they could just let it go because they could already see it going below the strike zone. But now they can't give up on it. So they have to, they have to continue to watch it. And as a result, he was able to get a lot more swings and misses with it because he over the weekend he generated three strikeouts two of them were from his slider so as we move forward if romano can keep up his velocity and his location with those two pitches he could really have a good season and with the blue jays trying to figure out roles in their bullpen to me if there's a high leverage situation in the 7th or the 8th or even the 9th if, if Giles isn't available, Romano's got to be that guy because you're not seeing it from Dolis. And Bass is also a guy, but to me right now, Romano's looking like a shut down reliever. And if the game could be decided in the 8th or the 7th, then Romano's got to get the ball in those innings and in those situations. And if the Blue Jays are looking for another reliable guy to throw late in the game in high leverage situations, Moran might be emerging as a candidate for that position. Because with the new three batter rule, he has to face at least three batters or finish the inning. But through, you know, two outings, he looks okay and while it's only a small sample size because he only threw an inning he looks nasty against left-handed hitters and I think with his curveball four-seamer mix 
he could be effective enough if he, he he's able to locate effectively, which he's done so far. He could be effective against right-handed hitters as well, which will make him more than just a lefty specialist. But if the situation presents itself where the Blue Jays are in a tough spot and there's one or two outs, but there's a string of lefties coming up, Moran should be the guy that Montoyo leans to in those types of situations because so far he's proving that he can handle it. And if Dolis continues to struggle, then the Blue Jays aren't going to trust him and they're going to need to trust somebody out to get them out of high leverage situations. And Moran could be that guy. So we'll see what happens in this upcoming series against the Nationals. But as of right now, I think the Blue Jays are still in a good spot. You know, it, it's tough that they they threw away those games on, on Saturday and Sunday. But that said, they have a chance to redeem themselves against the Nationals over the next four games. Two of them, which they'll play as the home team in Nationals Park. Um, and I think, too, we may see a, an appearance from Nate Pearson. Um, because the Blue Jays have wanted to low-key manipulate his service time, Nate Pearson has to spend the first seven days of the season in the minor leagues, even though there's no minor league season. And on Wednesday, he would be eligible to make a start. And on Wednesday, that's when the Blue Jays rotation turns around. So if they wanted, they could push Ryu back a day and they could hand the ball to Nate Pearson on Wednesday, but they could also start Pearson on Friday against the Phillies because that's when they have a, bro a break in the rotation too. Because after Ryu and Shoemaker, that would be Chase Anderson's spot, but he's on the IL. He probably won't be ready for Friday. So they could slot Nate Pearson in there as well. Right now, as of now, the Blue Jays haven't made any announcements yet. Um, but they also haven't announced who their starter is going to be on Wednesday either. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. For me, I think he's probably going to start on Friday. I think they'll want to get Ryu in a rhythm as soon as possible so you know they don't want to start him on five days rest they really pro probably want to start him on four days rest but it's totally up to him you know they'll probably have it if they're considering starting Nate on Wednesday they'll definitely go have a conversation with Ryu and see what he wants to do because he's their number one pitcher right now and they can't afford for him to be out of whack they need him to be in mid-season form as soon as possible to lead their rotation. So I think mark on your calendars Wednesday or Friday. That's when you'll probably see Nate Pearson. And hopefully by then, the Blue Jays will have a better record. Hopefully they'll be above 500. And hopefully they get to play against the Phillies. Hopefully the Phillies don't have an outbreak because they played against the Marlins over the weekend. And hopefully we get to see a lot more victories this week. So it'll be exciting. Baseball's back. It's a fun time again.
So that does it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this return to Blue Jays World update. And I hope all of you uh, continue to, to listen to all these episodes throughout the season. Because I'm going to drop them every week if the season continues. And hopefully it will. And let's hopefully have a lot of fun. And hopefully this season ends in October for the Blue Jays. Hopefully we get a postseason berth because there's expanded playoffs this season. So it'll be lots of fun. But until next time, I'm your host, Thomas Hall. And now you're up to date. Thanks for listening. And remember, wear a mask.